Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see in their eyes, with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case, a hundredfold, in another, sixty, and in another, thirty. I'd like to invite um, Paul and Susan to give the children's message, and we'd also invite the children to come forward as well. Good morning, everybody. What's your name? 
Arlene. Okay. What's your name? Aubrey. Aubrey? I'm just kidding. Audrey. <laughs> What's your name? Adeline. Helen, can you tell me your name? Say it loud. talk about, when we talk, they all have names. We know that, uh, we know what things are called, and it helps us to talk to each other about the world around us. But did you ever wonder how things got their names? Do you guys know? We know how all the animals got their names. The Bible tells us that God brought the animals to who? Do you guys know this story? God brought all the animals to who? No, different story. <laughs> In the beginning, Adam. Adam. God brought all the animals to Adam and to see what Adam would name them. So Adam, he got to name all the living creatures. He got to name all the animals. And guess what? All of you have what? A name. A name, too. Who gave you your name? Who gave you your name? Appa. Our parents, yeah, that's right. Our parents gave us Appa. our names. Yeah, Appa. <laughs> oh, he's over there. Sometimes parents, sometimes parents, they name children after other people uh, in their families, maybe, or after songs, or after people in movies, or because they want to name, uh, they want a name that means something very special. Do you know the name? or the meaning of your name? Yes. Yes? That's awesome, because I googled all of your names. <laughs> so I actually went and looked. So uh, let's start with Chase. Chase, what, is, what does your name mean? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's what I found. <laughs> meaning dwell, uh, dweller at the hunting ground. What about future? Graceful, grace, loving, and beauty. matter what. 
and it's very special, and it's called Child of God. You are a child of God. Uh, God made creation, so God made all the animals, God made you, and you are a child of God. So I have these special name tags here that I wrote down. It says child of God. So it doesn't matter what your name is. Adeline, Audrey, Marlene, Teresa, Chase. It doesn't matter what your name is. You are a child of God. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for all the names of all your creation that you have made. Thank you especially for naming Chase and Teresa and Audrey, naming them Child of God. Thank you for naming Adeline and Arlene, Child of God. Thank you for naming Isaiah, uh, Elias, Adeline, and Josiah, Child of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, and Dana. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Thank you, children. When we hear the truth about who God is and what he's doing, I hope that and pray that it hits you more and more on a deeper level, that your heart itself will leap for joy in knowing that the children of this church belong to the Lord. God has made his covenant with them. And he's promised to be with them. We as a church, as a whole, must continue to pray, not only for one another, but for all the children that are represented here. For we pray that God's covenant promise would endure forever and ever. Please pray with me before our message today. Heavenly Father, we ask that you open our ears to hear your word. Open our eyes that we may see your grace. And give us hands and feet that are quick to respond, to obey you, to love you, and to love the world who needs to see their Savior. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In our world today, we often fall for sentiment more than we do for truth. We desire our hearts to be stirred. We desire to have our emotions sort of played with. And what's interesting about this is that we know and that we understand that we are manipulating ourselves and that we're manipulating other people. We just want to tell them what they want to hear. We can massage their emotions. Even today with the children's message, sometimes when we hear that, we hear, what a wonderful sentiment. Children of God. But we fail in our society today, and we fail in our own world today, to deep down deeper into the truths that underline, undergird, how our emotions to respond to. If it's true that these children are children of the living God, 
if it's true that God himself has spoken, if it's true that he's made his promises to not only the parents, but to the children themselves, our hearts should rejoice that God is working. When we see and hear things that are righteous before the Lord, we should rejoice. When we see and hear evil that is done, I watch the news. We too should lament. We too should have sorrow within our hearts. We must become a people we're not trapped by simply our emotions, but we must become people who look at the truth of the world and truth of Scripture, the truth of the gospel, and be captured by it. It is only then that we can see what the world really is. It is only then can we live and react and love the people that God has put in our lives. In our passage today, we see a parable of a sower and a seed. We see different sort of places that these seeds fall into. And when we look at this parable, we may think, what a wonderful sentiment, what an interesting story. But Jesus tells us that this parable that he's telling mirrors what is happening in the world, in what we see, in society around us. And that the actors and the circumstances that are here are not simply made up for some nice fictional story, but these actors are real. Number one, there is a God. There is a God who has spoken in this world. There is a God who has come down from heaven in the form of Christ himself, fully human and fully God, who has spoken the truth about who he is, about humanity, about the condition of humanity, and about what needs to be done for humanity to be saved. This is unpopular in our world today. People want to hear simply, all religions are basically similar to one another. They all want to do good. And in fact, how can you know which religion is true? The only thing religion is is simply people making things up, people coming up with morality, people coming up with sort of some transcendent idea to sort of keep society together. And I have to say this. If it's true that religion simply comes from what comes out of the mouth of people, then yes, there is no truth. 
There is no one who has spoken with ultimate authority. They're simply ramblings of men and women trying their best to rally people around the things they say. Nothing more, nothing less. But we believe that God has acted in time and in space. That God has entered into this world and has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ, and that his words are authoritative and true and good for all that here. We as a people must believe that there is a God who sows seeds. There's a God who acts in this world, a God that is worthy of worship, a God who we deserve our allegiance to. And we must do so with joy in our hearts, especially for us who are the church and knowing the entire story of salvation that Christ has saved us. We had our children before us. They know by instinct that they have parents. They're the ones who feed them. (laughs) They're the ones who care for them. They're the ones who embrace them. In their world, there's no sort of psychological game whether do I have parents or not? Do I have a mom or dad or not? Or is this mom and dad simply a figment of my imagination? Or am I simply, you know, I'm transmitting my thoughts about what a parent should look like and, well, there's mom and there's dad. Mom and dad are real. They are not a projection or a figment of imagination of the human psyche. Our God is real. But it's because of our human hearts that we have blinded ourselves to the reality of God. Brothers and sisters, friends who are here today, when you look in this world, do you not see the hand of God? When we hear of the shootings that happened yesterday and the people who have died, people who have been injured, when you read some of these manifestos that some of these shooters write about their purpose and why, Do you not lament? Are your hearts not troubled? Are you not saddened? Are you not angry? Why? Because you know that the taking of life is evil. You know that in your heart as a human being that God has made you in such a way that there's an idea of righteousness and unrighteousness of what is right and what is wrong and that it's not a figment or projection of of some person's musings about ethics 
but it's built into us as people made in the image of God. Do you not see God's footprint and handprint everywhere? You're longing for meaning. You're longing for love. You're longing for a world that understands you or someone who understands you. You're longing for purpose. Even though here in the United States, we are the richest country in the world by far. You have everything that you need. That's why we have to think about things like this. Who am I? Where am I going? What's my purpose in life? You're not thinking about where's my next meal coming from. You're not thinking about across that border, are they going to attack my town or not? You're just thinking about who am I? And yet God has given us that privilege to really, how shall I say this, examine what it is to be human. And the question that comes is simply, who am I? I must mean something. I must have a purpose in this world. God made you. God made you for a purpose. To know him and to worship him. (laughs) To hear babies cry aloud. And to know. (laughs) I love kids. And to know that one day. To know that that moment when Christ and God makes himself real to you. When the transcendence of God comes to meet the transcendent needs of the heart of man and woman. That's where you find who you are and what God has done. God exists. God lives. And we must reckon with that idea, with that knowledge that he has given to us. Now Jesus came and he says something like this. He says, listen, there's a sower, a farmer, and he goes out to sow some seeds. And these seeds are the, very, are the, are the word of God itself. It's, it's the gospel. And the job of the f- sower is to allow the seed to go as far off to, to as many people as possible. And this good news is very simple. There is a God. A God who made you. There's a problem in this world that we all can see. The world's not the way it should be. Why is the world the way it should be? It's because we're not American enough? It's because we're too American? We're too Republican? We're too Democratic? What is it? Is it because we're too white? We're too Asian? Too black? What is it? Is it identity politics? Is it, is it gender politics? What is it? Is it we need more education? Less education? We need stronger armies? We need weaker armies? We need a philosopher to be king? Or do we need just more people in, in government? What is it? The history of mankind has been trying to solve that question.
And God says to us simply, the reason that this world is not the way it should be is because people have rebelled against me, the king and the God who rules over this world. And that all people must hear that they are rebels, that they are the cause, each of us as individuals, for the panic and destruction of this world. But the good news is simple, is it not? Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save those who would come to believe in him. And then once you come to know Christ himself and, and give your life to him, to know that you belong to him, to know that your allegiance is to him, to know that you're forgiven by him and that life has been given to you in him, that's, that's when things change. Your eyes change to the way the world works. You still see the same evils as many people in the world do. You see, still see the same shortcomings as many people in the world do. But you understand this, that there's hope. that only Christ can give. For Christ can heal the brokenhearted. For Christ can give purpose to anyone and everyone, regardless of economic status, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless of nationality. And that one day the Lord will come back and return and usher in his kingdom forever. That's the seed. That's the gospel. That's the hope that our God and high is spreading to all the nations. Truth number three of what's happening is that there are different heart conditions that we see in our world. And we should not be surprised by any of these reactions when people hear the good news of Jesus. There's the first seed that falls on the path. And this is the seed that Satan comes and takes before it ever gets a chance. This is for people who have heard God's word, but for some reason have never had the time, the energy to really think about it. The devil himself. This is another truth. That there is an enemy 
who is out to destroy the work of God. And this enemy comes and takes away the word before it can take root. I'm not surprised by this. You should not, not be surprised by this. How many times have you yourself have shared the gospel with someone? And it goes in one year, out the other year. They don't want to hear or understand. Or how about even yourself, as a Christian even? Someone tries to give you a good word from the Lord. You hear it, but you don't want to hear it. And that seed is simply taken away. It is why we here at this church and why we encourage each other, you must, must preach the gospel to yourself every day. You must, you must share the gospel with people in such a way that is consistent and loving and winsome. That they hear that one day perhaps they can hear that gospel. Do not be surprised. You yourself should understand that there have been times in your life before you came to know Christ, you heard the gospel so many times. I did. You did. And many of those times that you listen, it just went in one ear, out the other ear. It's as if you could not hear or process that. It happens to us with a lot of different things. Right? Women will, compare, will complain about their, their husbands. My husband never listens when I talk about X, Y, and Z. And the wife always says, I've talked to you about X, Y, and Z many times. Or the husband says to the wife, I told you this so many times. And the wife goes, you never said anything. Or for me personally, you know, this is kind of lighthearted here, but people will tell me all the time about UGA football, and I just hear it, and it just goes out the other year. <laughs> I just don't have a place for it. Maybe one day, if you're a real UGA fanatic, it'll stick in my brain, but right now it doesn't. <laughs> but we should not be surprised. This is the reality of what happens when we share the gospel. If you are a believer and you're sharing the gospel with people, don't get disappointed. But pray. Be persistent in your love for others. Another soil, it's a rocky ground. And in verse 20, Jesus describes it as this. The seed that falls on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This is a phenomenon that many of us have grown up and seen, growing up here in the South, right? You've gone to retreats. You've gone to revivals. Perhaps this is you. You remember that time where they're singing that one song, and it's like that song that has that nice little beat to it, and it's got that nice little hook, and you're singing it, and, and all of a sudden you're like, God is awesome, man. And you receive it with joy. You're like, this is good stuff. Jesus is the Lord of all things. Your hands are lifted high, and, and I'm not discounting 
that experience, and neither is God in this passage discounting that experience. They say that they received it with joy. So that's why we, there are still many wonderful retreats, conferences. As the word goes out, they receive it with joy. But what happens? Tribulation and persecution happen, and they immediately fall away. And this persecution or tribulation, it's not about sort of like problems in my life, about this and X, Y, and Z. It's tribulation and persecution on account of the word of God that they fall away. It's, it's an interesting phenomenon, right? You, you can say that you're a Christian or you believe in Jesus and you receive it with joy. But once someone sort of presses you and says, why do you believe? Tell me why. And you start getting uncomfortable. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to talk about why you're a Christian. You don't want to talk about the Bible and why you believe it's the word of God. And in fact, someone who comes to you might have, who, who, who you respect by having more knowledge and you're like, I, I can't defend it. Or someone who you really want to please because you really like this person. You're like, I, I don't want to enter into a debate because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. What usually happens after that? The more and more you deny God because of tribulation, the more and more that denial becomes a reality of your own Christian life. And the fearful thing is that the more and more people fall away. We should not be surprised about this phenomenon. We should not be surprised about this truth of what happens when the word of God goes out. We should not be surprised when we see some of this happening in our own lives. We should not be surprised when we see this happening in other people's lives. When they're called upon to defend the gospel, they shrink. And before you know it, that joy disappears. And before you know it, their knowledge of God starts to wane quickly. Doubts arise. Brothers and sisters, we are a church and we will always be a church that will defend God's word. We will always be a church that will defend that Jesus Christ is the God-man, that Jesus is the only way to salvation. We're here to defend that. We're here to go through trials and tribulations when people say, I don't want to belong to a church like this. This is just too much. And at times, it will be family, it will be friends, it will be people that you know. But how can we deny God when he before the throne will always recognize us as his children? We must be aware of the rocky soil that occurs. The third soil is the one that falls amongst the thorns. This one hears the word, 
But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfaithful. So if the rocky soul is the ones because they, they don't want to, to uh, appear too Christian, the thorny soil is the ones who do what? The temptations of the world just get them. They received it, but the temptations of the world get them. We were talking in our Bible study this morning, and I encourage all of you to come at 10 o'clock, but um, there's this distrust that we as Christians have. You see, remember in the beginning of the message I said that we are people of sentiment. We are people of emotions. We want to feel good. No one wants to feel bad. We want to have joy in our lives. We want good food. We want good sleep. We want good friends that we can enjoy good food with. And there's a mistrust that we have as Christians. That if somehow I did give my entire life to God, if I sacrificed everything for God, if I did what the Bible teaches me to do as a disciple of God, because that's what the... Many of you have read the Bible. You, you understand what God says. Leave everything and follow me. In the end, there's this distrust that says, God, if I do this, will I really be happy? Will I really find joy? And that goes into the recesses of our unbelief. God, here's the resources that you've given me. My time, my finances, my mental energy. If I really give that to help someone else, even my enemy, Will I really be happy? The cares of this world pushes you in such a way that you answer that question with, no, I won't be happy. But God promises us what? That if we give all of who we are to Him, if we see that our hope is in Him, if we understand that God gave everything for us, that we will find joy in him. Remember, God loved us so much that he did not withhold his only son. He sent his only son from heaven to earth. He allowed his son to die. He allowed his son to be separated from him for three days in death. His son was the most precious, precious thing that he had. And he gave it all for you. And God in heaven, along with the Son, along with the Spirit, are rejoicing together because they accomplished what they were looking for to the salvation of many here. That's you. That's me. That's us.
Do not let the thorns come upon you. Do not listen to that lie of Satan that says, hey, if you actually follow Jesus and give up everything, your life is going to be miserable. You're not going to have any fun. There's no joy. There's no happiness. Why do you want to do that? But God himself promises us that in him we will have life. Lastly, the good soil. This seed that falls on the good soil is the one that he hears the word, understands it, accepts it. Indeed, it bears fruits and it yields, in the case, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. This is really interesting about the gospel. You see, when you hear the good news of Jesus, it doesn't simply make you feel better. When you give yourself to Jesus, it doesn't simply give you a perspective of life and how life works. When you believe in Jesus, you don't have sort of more quips to to throw at each other to, to help you live this life. When you believe in Jesus, you actually bear fruit. You bear more than you could bear on your own. And I want you to hear this and listen to this because this is where Christianity, comfortable Christianity has really taken over the United States of America. We believe that Jesus saved me for me. That accepting the gospel means that I get to fill that spiritual hole in my place where I can say, okay, I have this financial hole, got a good job. I have this lonely hole, got married. No, I get the spiritual hole. I need, I need something to believe in that's bigger than myself. Okay, Jesus, that sounds good. Spiritual hole. But there's no fruit. There's no growth. In this parable, he says, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirty, at the least thirtyfold. And what is this fruit that he's talking about that we bear? Love of God and love of other people. When you first became a believer or you first came to know Jesus till now, how much has your love for God grown? From the time that you said, I, I know Jesus to now, how much has your care and love for your neighbor grown? If you have Christian friends and brother, brothers and sisters, and I want you to think about it in a different way, this way. Your Christian brother or sister in Christ that you've known for, let's say, six to seven years, how much have their love for you grown in such a way that you go, man, that person's love for me in Jesus, exponential. The way he loves me, the way she loves me, the way they care for me. And how much we care for one another.
You see, if none of that changes, then the question up to us is, do we really receive the word of God? And if we have received the word of God, do we need to tend to the soil a little bit more? To forgive one another a bit more. To ask God for forgiveness a bit more. To turn to his scriptures again. And to read again. The beautiful thing about this passage and in between the the parable and the explanation of the parable, Jesus tells us that he is the one who will open people's hearts to hear the word. And it's by his grace and his grace alone that you can even hear the word of God today. And it's by his grace that you're able to repent and turn. And so what do we do? We just come to him as people convicted of our sins and people convicted of our inability. We come to Jesus and say, I believe in you and I believe what you're doing in my sins, in my inabilities, in my brokenness, in my rebelliousness, in all of that. And I come to you and just forgive me and help me. And you know what? In Jesus' name, God will forgive you. And God will love you. And God will embrace you. There is no such thing as perfect repentance. There is no such thing as a perfect heart that comes to God. You know, my wife and I, you know, we, we have two kids, and there'll be, there'll be times where, you know, we'll say, say sorry to mom, say sorry to dad, or say sorry to your brother, say sorry to your sister, and they come and they're like, I'm sorry. And they walk away, right? And, and oftentimes, you know, in the back of my heart, I'm a legalist. I'm like, no, I want that perfect heart. I want that perfect heart. You better mean you're sorry. Just say you're sorry, and then I'll accept it. Okay. I'll, I mean, I don't say that loudly, but that's what's going in my heart. You guys do the same thing. I know you guys do the same thing, right? You guys all do the same thing. But you know what? That's wrong parenting. Because you know what God does? I go to God all the time. You do this too. I go, God, forgive me. <sighs> I know I should want it, but I really don't want it, but just forgive me. You know what? You might not know this, but deeper down in that heart are more sins <laughs> that you're even more rebellious about. And so even when you go to God and say, God, in my rebellion, just, just forgive me, help me. God receives it. God listens. And God forgives. So if you see yourself with the path or the thorns or the rocky soil, do not lose hope. Just turn to him, and he will forgive, and he will give life. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and worship you. There is no one like you. 
We ask of you, Lord God, to bless us, your people. We are in need of a Savior who can save. For we are broken people. We are people who've been sinned against, Lord God. We are people who have been caught in the, in the shrapnel, Lord, of, of sin and brokenness. And we've been hurt. And Lord, for many of us, we don't know how to deal with that hurt and brokenness. And for many of us, we blame you. But Lord God, who else is there to turn to? Only you have sent your son, Jesus. Only you have promised us healing. Only you have promised us hope. Only you have allowed your son to be broken that we may be healed. And so, Lord, help all of us to turn to you and to let the word of God dwell richly in us. In Christ's name we pray.